can we get into his word? Because I, I, I believe I have a word from God for you today. It is a word that is, it's, it's practical enough to apply to every single area of your life, but yet profound enough to change many of the situations in your life. It is a word from the Lord. I'm going to help somebody in this place today. So look at your neighbor and say, you better listen. So turn around and grab your Bibles. Stay on your feet. Just turn around and grab your Bibles. And turn with me to the narrative that we will explore today, which is James chapter 1. In fact, this is a book, a letter that we will be in over the next several weeks. It's a brand new series that we're starting today called Faith Works. Everybody say Faith Works. It's a series that's been in the works, if you will, for several months. It's a series where we're going to look at James, the half-brother of Jesus, who wrote this how-to manual for our faith, these flashing signs, these neon signs that are, that are giving us direction in our faith, these nuances of our faith and how our faith is supposed to operate. And that's where we're going to be over the next few weeks, just kind of dissecting the narrative of the book of James. With that being said, today I want to begin in James chapter chapter 1, and I actually want to begin in verse 19. And again, I'm going to say this to you upstairs. Just hang with me in the production booth because I'm going to jump all around. This word is fluid. God gave me some new things during the first service, and, and, and I want to revisit some things that I believe God has for, for you in this service as well. And, but we're going to begin in James chapter 1, verse 19, and then we're going to work in reverse order and go back to the first part of this chapter. But because many of you have been screaming out to me and asking me over the last few minutes to give you some communication advice, I'm going to ask you to look at your neighbor and communicate with them the, the subject matter of our conversation today. And that is shut up and listen. Look at your neighbor and say, shut up and listen. <laughs> Some of the husbands are saying, I ain't there saying that. Yeah, hang that up. I got to go home with her. I think you'll see why that is the title of today's message when we get into verse 19. Verse 19 carries with it some profound communication qualities that I think we should adhere to. Here's what verse 19, it says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this, which means that what he's about to say is very, very important, has an incredible amount of substance. He said, everyone should be quick to listen. Hmm, say quick to listen. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. He says, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Shut up and listen. Hang on a second, because many times we take this verse out of context, Dan. Sometimes we take this verse out of context, and we'll get into the, to the concept, if you will, behind the context to this verse in a few minutes. But essentially what James is doing is he's trying to give us the qualities that we need to have in effective communication. What he's saying is in order for you to have healthy relationships, sometimes you need to stop talking and listen. And all of the ladies said, amen. But how many of you, though, at times in your life, 
you have allowed your mouth to be kicked into gear before you have allowed your brain to fully process what you have heard and what you said you wish that you could get back and stuff it back into your mouth because what you said didn't help the situation but it certainly hurt the situation and had you took the time to process what you heard you probably wouldn't have said what you said and therefore your situation wouldn't be as bad as it is am I preaching to anyone in this place sometimes we allow the stress of life to squeeze out of us things that we wished we hadn't said who am I talking to? Well, for those of you who are angels in this place, why don't you just polish your halo and I'll keep it real with the rest of us. Because what James is saying is he says, be quick to listen, slow to speak. And, and so many times we take it out of context because we, we, we only apply that verse to the relationships in our lives. And we apply that verse in such a way that, that it, it helps us in our communication skills with others. And certainly there is substance to that. But it is not only applicable to our relationships with others and how we should communicate. It is also applicable to the relationship that we have with ourselves and how we communicate with ourselves when we're in a stressful situation. Oh, it is also applicable to not only how we communicate with others and how we communicate with ourselves in stressful situations, but also how we listen to God in the midst of stress. Hello. How many of you know sometimes it's hard to, to, to shut up and listen? Sometimes the noise of life becomes so loud that, that it's easier to talk about what is going wrong in your life rather than listening to the one who's in control in your life. How, how many of you understand that sometimes what happens on Monday, the noise of Monday can drown out what you heard on Sunday? You see, it takes great discipline to shut up and listen, especially when the enemy is beating against your spirit because it's so easy to talk about what is happening, what is going wrong in your life rather than to rely on the one who's in control of your life. That is why the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. Therefore, your situation is not made better by you allowing others to speak into your life when they have nothing to do with what you're going through and you listening to them, but rather your, your situation is made better when you begin to allow the promise of his word to speak over your life and you begin to listen to that. Good God of my Lord, have mercy. Calm down there, Mark, because you're going to start preaching. <laughs> but, but can I teach today? Can I teach today? Is it okay if I teach some and allow that to work into a preach? Is that okay? You see, what I need you to hear is this. In order for you to quiet the noise of life, it has everything to do with what you're listening to. In fact, just be seated. Be seated. Let me keep playing, D. Let me give you, let me give you out of this verse some of the historical qualities and the theological qualities in order for us to connect the pieces together. You see, James writes, be quick to listen and slow to speak. And when James writes that, for the word quick, he uses a Greek word, tachos. That Greek word tachos paints a word picture for us. It paints an image for us. Tachos actually describes a runner who is running a race, and he's running so arduously that he finishes the race first. In other words, he wins the race, tachos. Tachos. 
How many of you want to be winners? If you want to be a winner, raise your hand. If you just don't care and you like to be a loser, you keep your hand down. That's all right. <laughs> but we all want to win. He's giving us the winning combination, if you will, formula for effective communication. He says, be quick to listen, slow to speak. In other words, run the race towards listening and make sure that you get there first so that you win, but slow down a little bit when it comes to speaking. In other words, what, what James is saying, it's, it's what you listen to and how effectively you listen to it that determines the outcome of your life. More specifically, Tammy, what you're listening to and how you're listening to it determines what comes out of your mouth. <laughs> and what comes out of your mouth determines the outcome of your life. Therefore, he says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Run the race fast enough to listen in, to listen in the winning or, or to win in the listening column. But slow down enough, long enough to to be able to speak the words that you need to speak after you've processed what you have heard. Now, now hang on a second, because there's great depth to this. It does apply to our relationships with one another, but it also applies to our relationship with God. So James writes, be quick to listen, slow to speak, to the early Christians who were scattered around the Mediterranean. But I think we need to understand why James is writing this. What is the context behind this verse, verse 19, that we often take out of context. Why do we take it out of context? Because so often we preachers and counselors, we use verse 19 as a standalone verse. If you've ever had any relational difficulties and you go to a counselor, you might hear, be quick to listen and slow to speak. And that is certainly applicable there. But, but it also carries some weight in some other areas. Be quick to listen slow to speak. And so verse 19 is not a standalone verse. It is actually connected. Even though when you look at it in your Bibles, there is a space in between verse 18 and verse 19. There is a subtitle that's over the top of verse 19. You need to realize that's the way man has broken that up. But verse 19 is deeply connected to the concept that James has just talked about in the previous verses. In fact, let me show you something. Look at verse 1. Everybody say, I'm there. Here's what he says in verse 1. Verse 1 gives us some identifying characteristics of who James is. Here's what it says. It says, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Hold on a second. James is telling us who he is. He's writing this letter to the Christians who are spread out. But James doesn't say, James, the brother of Jesus. And you know what? It would have made sense for him to say, James, the brother of Jesus, because he was the brother of Jesus. It would have made sense for him to say, James, the brother of Jesus, because it seems like it would have given him influence into certain areas because people would have listened to him just because he was the brother of Jesus. They would be like, this is from James. He's Jesus' brother. We ought to listen. <laughs> However, he didn't say, I'm James, the brother of Jesus. Instead, he said, I am James, the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
This is powerful because this lets us understand something, that James saw himself not as the brother of Jesus, but rather as the servant of Christ. And because he saw himself as the servant of Christ, he didn't advertise the fact that he was the brother of Jesus. Rather, he advertised the fact that he was the servant of Christ. Why? In order for him to see himself not as the brother of Jesus, but rather as the servant of Christ, that means that Jesus was his Lord. Huh. Now, hang on for a second. Because history tells us something. History tells us, Jonathan, that James didn't believe in Jesus while Jesus was performing his ministry. That James didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah while he was delivering people, healing people, setting people free. But instead, James began to believe in Jesus after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection because he saw the resurrected Savior. History tells us that at that moment, James began to cultivate a relationship with God that became so strong that he developed a nickname. He was called Camel Knees because his, his, his knees were, were so enlarged and inflamed and so calloused because he was continually on his knees crying out to God. And here is this man who writes, be quick to listen, slow to speak. But then in the very next verse, something incredible happens. James begins to highlight this apparent problem that is unbeknownst to us as readers 2,000 years later, but was certainly in the forefront of, of the early Christians' minds because he alludes to something. In fact, he pinpoints something in verse 2 that I think we need to see. Look what he says in verse, verse 2. He says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Everybody say, consider it pure joy. Look at your neighbor and say, joy. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. That's me hitting the brakes. Hold on a second. What do you mean, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds? Hold on a second. Who in the world, Richie, does that? Bring on the trials because they bring me joy. That's what I'm talking about. Bring on the trials because I look at trials and they make my heart so joy-filled. Bring on the trials because I look at a trial like it's my birthday. Woo, bring it on. It makes me so joyful. Who says that? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Bring on the trials, because I eat trials for breakfast. It's called joy flakes. <laughs> Bring on the trials. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Not meaning that if you face the trial. He's telling them, I know you're in the trial. It's, it's not if, it's when you face the trial. Consider it pure joy when you face many struggles, many difficulties, uh, many problems, many pressures. You see, we need to understand why he was writing that. The history behind it. Because there was so much pressure on the reader 2,000 years ago when they received this letter, the pressure was incredible. 
they were under such persecution, such pressure. Everyone was trying to extinguish their faith so that they could extinguish Christianity. There was persecution in front of them. There was persecution behind them. There was persecution to the right. There was persecution to the left. And there was so much pressure, so much stress upon them. They were persecuted economically because no one wanted to do business with them because they were Christians. They were persecuted by the government because the government was trying to extinguish their faith so they would throw them in prison. They were persecuted by their, by their friends who wanted them to go back to their old ways because they didn't like their new ways. They were persecuted. James was persecuted. You see, people were being burned at the stake. They were being thrown into prison. They were being crucified. They were being fed to lions. And James said, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face those trials. What? But, but hang on for a second, because James was not writing this letter from an observation position, talking about what pressure and stress looks like. James was writing this from, from a personal perspective, not what it looks like, but what stress actually feels like. And, and what stress looks like and what it feels like are two different things. And we know that James was feeling stress. Because the Bible, well, history tells us that he was actually killed for what he believes. He was taken up on top of the temple, the highest point of the temple. He was then thrown off of the temple on the steps below, far below. And when the fall didn't kill him, everyone who was gathered around began to beat him to death. But history tells us that he was overheard praying for those who were beating him to death. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kind. Hold on, keep in the back of your mind. Shut up and listen. <laughs> you see, James was not writing this letter to, to a certain people group. James was writing this letter to a group of people who dealt with a certain pressure called stress. You see, I don't know if you've ever felt stress. I don't know if you've ever felt the pressure of the uncertainty of the trial. I don't know if you've ever felt the pressure of stress, the uncertainty of tomorrow. I don't know if you've ever felt the pressure, the uncertainty, the stress of the pressure cooker called life. Am I preaching to anyone who's ever experienced stress? Because if you haven't experienced stress, you're probably not going to get anything out of this message. So you ought to just take your phone out and play some Candy Crush or something. But what you cannot do, listen, what you cannot do is disconnect yourself from this narrative because you are not being thrown into prison for what you believe. You cannot disconnect yourself from this narrative because you are not being burned at the stake for what you believe. You cannot disconnect yourself from this narrative because people are not persecuting you because of what you believe. Because what I do know is that stress is relative. You may not be experiencing the painful things that James is alluding to, but your stress is nonetheless painful. Rebecca, stress is relative. What may stress one person out may not stress another person out at all. It's like one person may be stressed out over the possibility of losing his or her job. 
while another person is at that same job and that person is not stressed out at all over losing his or her job. He wants to lose his or her job so that he can file for unemployment, get unemployment, go on an extended vacation. Therefore, he or she can find what the job that he really, really wants while he's on that extended vacation. But the problem is while he or she's on that extended vacation, he or she cannot find that job and therefore now they're stressed out. Stress is relative. What may stress you out is not necessarily going to stress your neighbor out. And here's James. He's, he's writing, you know, be quick to listen, slow to speak. Consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. He, he, he's saying when you're under that pressure cooker of life that consider it pure joy. Can I continue to teach for a moment? The word that James chooses to use for the word consider in the Greek, everybody say consider. The word that he chooses to use for consider is an accounting term in the Greek. It actually can be interpreted as count. Count. Everybody say count. Not just consider with joy the many trials that you face, brothers and sisters, but count, <laughs> count, count those trials that you are facing. Count them pure joy <laughs> as you face trials of many kind, kinds. Oh, hold on a second. Count them pure. You see, we have a counting thing in our culture. We, we, we love to count, and don't act like you don't. We love to count. We count the wins and the losses. <laughs> we count them. I have a counting thing. Maybe, maybe you don't have a counting thing, but I have a thing. I have a thing with numbers. I don't know what it is. But sometimes I'm driving down the road and I'm trying to kill time, occupy my brain, and I will count the number of black cars that I see versus the number of red cars that I see. Versus the number of blue cars that I see. Versus the number of green cars that I see. And sometimes I can drive down the road and my navigation system will say, you will arrive at your destination in four minutes. And I will immediately, if people are in the car, I, I won't do this out loud, but if, if, if I'm by myself, I'll begin to count out loud immediately, 240 seconds, as if that's going to expedite time for me. Speed up the process. Counting. Don't judge me. Don't judge me for my rain man tendency. Because you count too. We all do. You count the wins and the losses. When things begin to happen that don't necessarily go your way, you pull out the balance sheet. You're like, won this and lost this. <laughs> win, loss, win, loss. And we begin to balance out our lives and we begin to live our lives based upon the wins and the losses. And don't act like you don't. That's why many of you say things like, it's always something. Because you're counting. That's why you say, I'm done with this. Because you've been counting. That's why many of you end conversations in your text messages with three letters. Ugh. Because you are counting. 
That's why you say, I'm over this, I'm done with this. Why? Because you are counting. You're not counting it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, but you're counting the wins and the losses, and you are living your life based upon what you have deemed successful and unsuccessful. Richie, I need, I need you to help me, man. You're going to be a volunteer. Come on up. I need a volunteer. Come on, Richie. You didn't volunteer. I called you out, but it's close enough to a volunteer. Richie, come on over here. I need you to stand right here, right here, right here. So James writes, stand right face them. James writes, consider it pure joy. Count it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. He's talking about the pressure that they're under, the persecution, being thrown in jail, burned at the stake, fed to lions, all of that stuff. And listen, James, we can't necessarily relate to that. However, the stress, the pressure that we have in life is still painful for us. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure when you have no clue why you're standing on stage. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of stress on you in order for you to perform when you have no clue of what you're going to have to perform. There's a lot of stress upon you when all of these people are looking at you. Not counting all of the people who are on the other side of that camera all over the world who are looking at you. It's a lot of pressure. A lot of stress. You see, we may not be experiencing the same stress, well, the same problems that James was alluding to historically, being thrown into prison, burned at the stake, fed to lions, thrown off the top of a temple. But, but we are, in life, impacted by the pressure of relational stress. We feel the relational stress, man, the pressure of relationships, healthy and unhealthy, the brokenness of those relationships. We feel the pressure of finances, how much money we have, how little money we have, and how much month we have left. We feel the pressure of that. We, 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 feel, we feel the pressure of, of our health issues. We feel the pressure. We feel the pressure of, of, of that job. That job that you have that you feel like no one likes you or that job that you have and you're just not getting along with your boss, that job that you have that seems to be testing your patience every single day. There's a reason why Job and Job have a lot in common. That job is so pressure-oriented, you're just not even sure if you can really succeed. You're not sure if you can even do the job correctly. The pressure, the stress. How about this? The stress of your calendar. Having to keep up with everything that's on your calendar. You're just busy. Man, I'm busy. 
And then you have the stress of, of busyness because the truth is you don't really want to be as busy as you are, but you feel like if you're not as busy as you are, that just means that you're unsuccessful. So there's a lot of pressure to be busy. There's pressure. There's pressure. Here's some pressure. I can't write this, but I'm just going to put it on. The pressure to be what everyone expects you to be. Ooh, that's some pressure. Here's some pressure. Hold on a second. The pressure to be what you know you were called and created to be. But while at the same time there's some pressure, there's some pressure inside of you because even though you know what you were called to be on the inside, you really know who you really are. And you feel like you're not worthy to be what you were called to be. The pressure. The pressure, man, the pressure. The pressure, the pressure in that divorce The, the, the pressure to be a, a mom. Hold on a second. How many of you know there's a lot of pressure being a mom? And some of you, you've got so much pressure in being a mom that, that, that you feel like you're not even a good mom. And so, so there's so much pressure on you in so many different ways. And, and then the pressure to be a dad. Hold on a second. Just the pressure of being a dad and, and, and all of the pressure that goes along with, with, with being the dad, man. You know, just providing for your family. But at the same time, on, on the inside, you're dealing with another pressure because you know you should be spending more time with your kids. But in order to spend more time with your kids, that means you get to spend less time at work. And if you spend less time at work, that means you can't provide for your kids and your family the way that you really want to. And there's a lot of pressure, man. There's pressure. There's pressure. There, 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 there's just pressure, man, all, all over. There's pressure and stress because of our past. There, there's, there's, I'm going to write that on there. You bled through, went to, into your shirt, man. There's a lot of pressure. I put too much pressure. Sorry. I mean, there's a lot of pressure because of your insecurities. I'm not tall enough. I'm not... That's not you, man. I ain't talking about you. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I, and this ain't you either. I'm not smart enough. I'm too, 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 too skinny. I, 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 I'm too fat. That's not you either. I'm going to help you here, brother. Might not have helped. Let's let's go right here, man. It's a little hot on this stage, man. You're a little greasy, but it's all right. Praise the Lord. I love Richie. Listen, the, the pressure. I mean, there's a lot of pressure. Can you imagine the pressure of being Jesus's brother? The pressure. Can, can, can I tell you something? Just, just hang right here with me, Richard. The, 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 there's a lot of pressure. And, and, and hold on, because here, here's what James says. James says, consider or count it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kind. Consider this, consider this joy. Hold, hold on, don't, don't move. Consider this joy. 
what James is saying to us, you've got to grab this. What, what James is, is, is saying to us, he's, he's giving us the tools that we need in order to overcome all of this. In fact, here's what you need to understand. What James is saying is it doesn't matter where you're from, where you live, what era of time that you live in, that the, the attitude of your mind has to be right in order to overcome all of this. He said you've got to be quick to listen and slow to speak. You've got to run to the finish line when it comes to listening, but be slower to speak. But, but then James says something in verse 3. Put up verse 3 for me. You've got to see this. Verse 3. Verse 3, James chapter 1, he says this, Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Hold on a second. Circle that word perseverance in your Bible. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. In some of your translations, it says the testing of your faith produces patience. It takes a lot of patience to stand up here like this, man. It's a lot of patience. But look what else it says in verse 4. Watch this, Richie. It says, but let perseverance or patience finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Everybody say complete. Hold on a second. <laughs> so that you're complete, not lacking anything. Hold on. Remember back. He says, it'll be quick to listen, slow to speak. Then he starts off by saying, consider it or count it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. So, but, but then he says, so that... Patience will be worked up in you, come out of you, be all over you, so that what is happening to you, the work that God is trying to do in you, will be complete. Everybody say complete. Now, here's what's amazing to me. So often, so often we think that it's all of this that causes us to be incomplete. But what James is saying is that God uses all of this in order to complete us. Whew, Lord have mercy. In other words, there is a required response to the pressure of stress. Can I continue to teach for a moment? Can I take another minute? You realize that means more than one minute. But I, I need you to grab this because I'm helping someone here today. When James says, when he says, perseverance it, it, it builds up perseverance in you put put verse 3 back up for me it says because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance the word that he uses for perseverance or for patience is the Greek word you didn't know you were going to get a Greek lesson today but it's the Greek word hupomon now the Greek word hupomon it actually means to have some staying power it means to have some stick to itiveness. It means to have some endurance. It means to outlast what is pressuring you. It means to dig your heels in and tell the enemy that you are not having this place where I am standing because I have already gained victory over this place and I will not let it go. That is what Cupamon means. It means to outlast what is coming against you. It means to have some endurance. Now, hang on a second. Because notice something. James does not say that the trial brings your faith. Hmm. He doesn't say that because of the trial you have faith. No. What he does say is if you receive the trial in faith, you will receive patience. Hold on a second. There's a difference. He says if you receive the pressure in faith, 
Because of that, you will ultimately receive patience, which will do the work of completion in you. Now, now here's where it gets deep. What you need to understand is just because you have a trial, because you will have a trial, that's how our faith works. That's how life works. He's saying that trials are inevitable. In, inevitable. It's not when, it's, or it's not if, it's, it's when you have a trial. You need to understand you're going to have that in your life. But what he is saying to us is simply this. It's not what is coming against us that is overwhelming us. It's how we handle what is coming against us that is overwhelming us. Hold on a second. It's not inevitable for you to just have patience, for you to receive patience just because you have a trial. Because sometimes we lose the ability to have the patience because we allow our mouths to speak before we have listened. Hold on a second. Sometimes we succumb to what is coming against us because we have chosen to speak before we have actually listened to his word. And therefore, bitterness and discouragement takes up residence in our lives because we are talking about our problem rather than listening to his word. Hang on a second. He says, be quick to listen, slow to speak. You got to grab this. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. You see, can I tell you why many of you are losing the battle? Are you ready for this? You're losing the battle because you're not listening to his word, but rather you're reacting to the pressure. Good Lord, have mercy, Richie. That was good. You're losing the battle. Christy Christy is Richie's wife. Take notes for, for, for Richie here. Because I know Richie is a note taker. He's going to heaven. And so here's the deal, Richie. The reason why we're losing the battle so often is because we're not listening to his word, but rather we're reacting to the pressure. We're allowing the pressure of life to dictate our response. We're allowing the pressure of life to dictate our response. But can I tell you something? It is the word of God that is inside of you that enables you to overcome what is coming against you. It's the word that you are listening to. It is the word that you are absorbing in your spirit. It is the word that is in you. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. It is the word. That is why the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. That is why the Bible says you might be ordinary, but you can tap into the extraordinary. Why? Because Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says that he will do exceedingly abundantly above all that you think, ask, or imagine. That's why Paul says, I might be pressed, but I'm not crushed. I might be persecuted, but I'm not abandoned. I might have been struck down, but I'm not destroyed. The reason why some of you are losing the battle is because you have taken the weight of the pressure of this world and you've placed it on your shoulders. When it should not be on your shoulders, it should be on the word of God. Why? Because the Bible says the word became flesh and dwelt among us in the form of Jesus. He lived for 33 and a half years of blameless life. He was placed on the cross, put in the tomb, but on the third day he arose. He took upon him the pain, the problems, so that we could take those problems off of us so that we wouldn't have to bear the weight of this world. Can I get some help up in this place? Somebody help me preach. You see, many of us, just stay on your feet, but don't rush me. 
You see, many of us, we're losing the battle, not because of what's coming against us, but because of how we're dealing with it. You see, many of us are losing the battle because our reaction is in contradiction to his word. <laughs> you see, it's like your, 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 your relational battle. You know, it's like your husband does you wrong. Not your uh, husband. That's a different message, man. But, but, but it's like your husband did you wrong, so you're like, uh -uh, oh, no, he didn't. It's going to be shark week up in my house. Dun, 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 dun. The blood's in the water. You, you know, you have a relational issue, and all of a sudden you're like, yeah, you better back up. <laughs> you go all karate kid on him, uh-huh. But what you really need to be doing when the pressure, the stress of, of, of life, consider it pure joy, my brother and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. What, what you really need to be doing when that trial, when that struggle, when, it, when it's starting to press down on you, you need to be saying, hold, hold, hold on a second, I'm going to find some, I'm going to find some, I'm going to find some. Oh, it says I've been treated, treated unfairly, but hold on. The Here's what it says. It says that I should treat others with the, the same love and compassion that Jesus did to love your enemy. Mm. Hold on a second. Let me find something else. Let me find something else. It says... Live at peace with everyone as far as it depends upon you. Whoa. Hold on. Let, let me find something else. It, it, it says to think about whatever is lovely, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is righteous, whatever is praiseworthy. You need to be thinking about such things. That's what you need to be doing when the cares of this world come against you. You need to be finding something else that you can listen to. And some of you right now are saying, well, hold on, Pastor Mark. I, I don't have the time when the pressure comes. I don't have the, the time to look up in, in, in the Word and find something. I don't have the time when the pressure comes to find something. Well, you know what? If the Word of God is already in you, you won't have to find it. Because it will begin to come out of your mouth because you have already been listening to it. Mm. Good Lord of mercy. So, 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 hold on a second. Do you know what kills patience and perseverance? Pride. It's, it's usually pride that causes us to speak before we listen. Oh, no, I ain't losing this battle because I've been counting some things, and I lost the last one. I ain't losing this argument, pride. Oh, no, she ain't getting employee of the month. That's me, pride. Oh, no, uh-uh, mm-mm, no, sir, I'm not, huh, I'm not going to tell them, them what I really need help with because, mm, pride. And because the pride is in your life, what ends up happening is you begin to count the things that are going wrong in your life rather than beginning to count the promises of his word and counting it all joy. And because you are counting and keeping track of the things that are going wrong in your life, you end up being incomplete according to verse 4 because what you're trying to do is avoid all of this stuff when God is using all of this stuff to, to, to complete you. What you need to realize is that when you have all of the pressure of this world upon you, that 
that pressure is trying to imprison you. But God will use what is trying to imprison you in order to deliver you. So what you really need to see is when you have all of this pressure on you, it is only an opportunity for you to point to a Savior who has already delivered you. You see, you need to shut up and listen for a little while. Even though I'm going through some sickness, I need to listen to, to, to the Word because He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals me. His healing stream is flowing in my veins. Even though I'm going through some relational difficulties, that's all that I can see. What I'm listening to is that my God is a God of restoration. Even though I'm going through this problem and that problem and all I see is lack, what I do know and what I need to listen to is that He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He shall supply for all of my needs according to His riches and glory. When you feel like lack, when you feel like insecurity is there, what you need to do is shut up and listen and remember that He's with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You've got to shut up and listen. 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 Why? Because He wants to complete you. Why? He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Come on, somebody, and give Him praise up in the house of the Lord today. I know you've been on your feet for a long time. Richie, you can go sit down. Man, I should have took all these off of you, brother. Thank you, Richie. Watch this, watch this. Verse 19, just stay on your feet. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. Hmm. Verse 24 or verse 21 or verse 20 says, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Verse 21, therefore get rid of all that moral filth, all that evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word that is planted in you. Hold on a second. Which can save you. But then verse 22, he says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but rather do what it says. Hold on a second. Some of you are saying, well, hold on. That, that's a little bit of a contradiction, isn't it? You've been saying shut up and listen. Now you're saying you need to do what the word says. Well, this is kind of where we're going to pick up next week. It's a preemptive thought. Because what you really need to understand is in order to do the word, you must first be able to have knowledge of the word. And the Bible says that hearing comes by faith and faith comes by hearing the word. And so you have to have listened. So, so I wrote this down. This is not even in your notes. This, this is free of charge. You can't do it without first having listened to it. Mm, that's good. But then I wrote this down. This is, this is what's good. Your faith works not when you speak what your problem is. But when you listen to what his word says, he'll do. At that moment, you will become a problem solver. Good Lord, have mercy. Shut up and listen. I, I, I know maybe some of you don't like that word because you're so righteous. Shut up and listen. But, but, but it's okay. Because I think if you really grab hold of it, it will speak to your spirit. Shut up and listen. Stop listening to that word that someone else has said. Stop listening to that word that you're saying to yourself. Because God is going to use all of that stuff in order to do a work in you, to complete you. And there's someone in this place today 
that you are more like the people 2,000 years ago who were being persecuted and overwhelmed and you were grumbling and complaining and bitterness had set in. But today God wants to take what has been imprisoning you and he wants to use it to set you free. 